All right, let, let's talk about fake news and uh, what does it really mean and, and how, should, uh, how should we, how should the media also deal with that? So uh, Dinesh Balia is with me. She's a social media lecturer at the University of Advantage. Dinesh, good chatting to you. Hi. Good morning. Good. Let, let's talk fake news. What does it mean? Well, you know, there are various uh, ways to define fake news. Um, I think we really have got to go to the intention behind this kind of information that's produced on a regular basis. Um, most often, you know, anything that's faked is designed to mislead to misinform um, and has an agenda behind it. I think the problem at the moment is that we have a newly inaugurated president who's using the term fake news to pretty much apply to anything that's produced by the media today. Okay, but, but okay, so that would be, you're talking about Trump, right? But mm-hmm. we'll get to him in a minute. But, I mean, we never spoke about fake news a few years ago. We speak about news that was incorrectly reported. Yeah. And, and that's different. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, we used to talk about, and I was thinking about these instances of so-called viral news that used to go around, and we, we would encounter things like information about diseases, information about the kind of contamination that would happen in food. And those kinds of pieces of news as such were spread amongst families, amongst friends, amongst people on Facebook. Mm-hmm. But now we're seeing deliberate efforts of people putting up websites and producing so-called news uh, without paying attention to the kind of impact that it actually has. So why are they doing it? To get hits and likes and to push, you know, an agenda at the end of the day. Um, I can't tell you that there's one specific motivation between this kind of news. We've got political um, ideologies being pushed. We've got people producing so-called satire. Um, A very clear example from the last year, which we saw at the press council, for example, was that of Tuli Madansela being shot outside her front door. Um, And when you talk to the organization behind these kinds of news, they say it's satire, and it clearly is not. What's the difference, then, between between fake news and satire? The big difference between satire and fake news is that satire is more commentary. commentary that's light, it's commentary that's sometimes, you know, so than humor. Um, fake news can be very heavy. Fake news can be uh, very deliberate. It's intended to, to scare people, to harm them, um, and to draw, you know, shares and likes to be pushed further. Um, it has no clear good intention. Let's just put it so, that so way. So the primary goal, because, I mean, we know in the social media space, if you have big followings, there are now agencies that can that can pay you for your followings uh, because you reach a target. I mean, we spoke about sponsorship just now with regard to soccer. Same principle. You have a market that follows you, right? Um, and also, like with with YouTube, depending on the amount of views you get, that there's a there's a partnership. And you're saying that opens up an opportunity. Say, create whatever content you want. If you start getting a following, you're great. And since the the real news is owned by other people. Fake news has opened up an avenue for people to enter. Absolutely, and people can do that. And obviously, advertisers are attracted to that. As long as people are there and eyes are there, that's good for advertising, unfortunately. And I think we need to become a bit more uh, clear about what it is we're going to associate our advertising with these days. So, so are we saying at the moment that advertisers are actually advertising on fake news sites? The problem is that fake advertising via your search engines are ending up on these websites. So it's not that an advertiser may know that they're advertising on these websites. They're advertising through ad search words and things like that on social media, social search engines. And so they're ending up on these popular websites without their knowledge. So they don't even know that? They don't even know that. I wonder whether they would come back. Would you know much about that? Not be your, your direct no, it's not my know? area. It's not yeah. my area. But, you know, we've got to then start talking to our search engines about how they're 
uh, placing these adverts. Because then there, I, I would think there would be restrictions to say, you know, through the search engines, but you cannot, you, know, you cannot place me on anything that is considered. Absolutely. Fake, yeah. um, I'll give you an example. Two years ago on our, our student website, which produces news for the Vitz community, mm. we had porn pulls advertising showing up. Wow. Uh, the company doesn't know about it. We don't know about it. And because it's a site that's online, uh, the search engine was placing the advertising. So we have no control over it. How, what, what impact, therefore, is, is fake news outside the business impact, the, the newsy impact? What impact is, is this making? Now, you, now you quoted, uh, Sons Trade calling him President Trump. You quoted him <laughs> earlier on. So what, what impact is it having? Uh, in, 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 in so far as current affairs news is in, in the USA, in South Africa, in other parts of the world? I would like to say that it's confusing for the consumer, but I don't think it's really confusing. I think what's happening is that people, you know, they tend to live in these echo chambers where they're pre- consuming this news that's relevant to them. Um, they're sharing the same content. Their peers are sharing the same content. And so this, this type of fake news content is circulating within small groups and thereafter having the larger impact of circulating outside. And what's happening is that it's leading, leading credence to these sites. They're becoming very popular. In the U.S. particularly, we have an instance where some of these websites are more popular than conventional websites or established journalistic websites. And that is a huge issue. I mean, we saw the debate during during the, the elections in the U.S. about fake news actually electing Trump. Of course, there's research now that says that wasn't quite the case, um, but it has a clear impact. It has a clear impact in misinforming people, misdirecting them. Um, and at the end of the day, we need to talk about what the public interest is, and I'm not sure if that's very clear at the moment. Well, well Lovin, let me ask the obvious then. Is certainly consuming fake news is not in the public interest, isn't it? It's absolutely not. And I think the problem is that we're starting to talk about regulating fake news, and I think that has a larger impact on journalism as such. Should, should it be regulated? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think we need to find other mechanisms in which to deal with the way in which we consume news. I think the media itself, the established media and the established industry, needs to start involving itself in debunking these sites, talking more about the impact. I know for myself I saw a lot of complaints from people who, saw, who said that the article about Chile Madoncelo was deeply aggravating to their, to their lives, and they wanted something done with it. Um, but we can't touch those kinds of websites. But no... You know, media organization reported on that. No one talked about mm. the impact on individuals and how they felt and what they, um, you know, wanted to do about those kinds of things. The, the problem in social media, and as you, and we all, by sharing, we drive content uh, inadvertently. I mean, there's just so much. I'm just thinking about Adam Abaro, the, the new now uh, president of, uh, of the Gambia. He's, he's been apparently tweeting from an account for the last few days, and I know many Gambian journalists and others from, from the continent have been retweeting him. And now only that, only found out last night, said, so no, that's a false account. Okay? Absolutely. Uh, and I've certainly checked it out. Uh, yesterday I see Fidel Hafiji uh, looking at something with Sunday Times and, and saying, holy check, it, there's two S's there so that's a false account and then you see there's only 70 followers. Yeah. But it looks the same thing if you're in a hurry, we don't check these things out. And of course there were many other examples. The question is, how do you identify fake news? I think you've got to pay more attention to the actual website, where it comes from, who owns it. Um, you know, People don't use the who is accounts very often. Who is allows you to look up who registers an account on the internet. It's completely public. You can go as an individual and look up. I think one of the biggest issues we have is to teach people before you share, think about it. Think about what you're sharing. Think about whether you've corroborated. Do mm. the job of a journalist, actually. And unfortunately, it takes more time to do that. It's easy to click and, share. And they're not journalists. And I mean, that's the Absolutely. Absolutely. There's an interesting question from Peter Serwanga um, saying, yeah, well, fake news wouldn't be a problem if media outlets were trusted 
Is, is, is that a relationship we can we can talk about that? I must agree with it. I think there's a, few, a huge trust issue with the media in South Africa, with the media in America. And I think what needs to happen is that our established media industry needs to reestablish itself, needs to establish a, a relationship of credibility with its audiences yet again. Um, what's also happened in the last couple of years is that we've gotten very involved in this concept of news and entertainment, and we've not quite gotten it right. Uh, we see what organizations like the Daily Sun are doing and we want to be able to get those kinds of numbers and that reach mm. and we need to start to think about how to deliver news, hard news in those kinds of ways that makes it more accessible to people and there's a little bit of stubbornness on the media's industry to do that. We feel like we're almost watering down um, and let's be honest, that's what a lot of journalists would say to you um, but at the end of the day we need to be able to deliver fair, truthful, accurate information in a way that's accessible to people. In, in the meantime, is there a uh, a fake news checklist register? Um, I can't think of a site that I would recommend immediately, but africacheck.org, um, it's a, a fact-checking site in South Africa, also based at this journalism, has produced a mechanism to check these kinds of sites. And what I would suggest, you know, is that each kind of newspaper or media organization, even SAFM, for example, go and use that kind of checklist and put together its own a list of organizations that it would recommend or endorse or partner with. And those on the outside would not be. Do you know whether anybody's been persecuted, prosecuted, uh, in fact, uh, for, for, in this case, manufacturing, creating fake news? Not in this country. Not that I can think of. And elsewhere? Um, let me have a think. Not at all, actually. And the part of the difficulty is that you can't actually identify who these individuals are. Um, you'll find in South Africa a number of these sites are registered via African countries, the other African countries, or in the U.S. The domain names, it becomes a little bit indistinct. Um, and so you can't actually then take up a prosecution from here to someone based in the U.S. For, who holds a website. I mean, would we ever get to a situation where fake news becomes mainstream, where the, the head of a fake, fake news website would, would show up and say, it's me. This is what I do. And you know what? I do it as a form of entertainment for people. It's up to them to be to, to, to sift through the things I put in. Would that, would that be a good enough case? There are individuals who have said, this is who I am. I produce satire. And that's how they get away with it in terms of the law at this point. And that's why when we go and talking about uh, regulation, we need to talk about it very carefully. But perhaps there is something that will come to our courts that tests that. Okay, so as we wrap up now, what more, what more should we be doing in South Africa? Who's we? We as, as the country from all sides, you know, me and you and people listening, people reading. What be more be vigilant. Doing? Be absolutely vigilant about the kinds of things you're reading. I think it's also very important for us to be responsible about what we label fake news. A mistake in coming out of SAFM, a mistake coming out of the Star mm. newspaper, for example, is not fake news. It's a mistake. It's an error. That's different, yeah. And it's absolutely different. We need to be a bit more cognizant about correcting it and taking up the steps to correct it, but not to label it fake news immediately. Okay, and, and just to wrap up very quickly, is it fair to say, going back to the US election, that, that fake news, manufactured news can sway millions of people, whether they're big in the word election or not? You know, you know, I think the research shows that it didn't help Trump win the election, but it did sway millions of people. And that's concerning. That's deeply concerning. Yeah, wow. It's, it's key. I'm going to leave it to you to, to tweet some of the links that you just mentioned with, with Africa Check and, uh, and a whole lot more as well. Janesh uh, Balia, maybe this is the first part of, of a series of discussions we need to be having around fake news. If you are a fake news creator, goodness. I want to talk to you, not because I support you, because I think we need to know what goes on in your mind. So maybe drop me an email, ashraf at safm.co.za. Dinesh Balia from um, Dutch University, social media, lecturer there. Appreciate your time.